here we are, another episode of Late Fees, where we are shaken, not stirred. Has anyone? I've never had a martini. What do these taste like? What are they? Taste uh, like? You, it's <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it is like the it, it, you basically add stuff that tastes stronger than straight liquor to straight liquor, and that's it. Like, there's no. It's you know how on in in movies when like old women are drinking martinis, they're always absolutely trashed. It's because it's just. With an olive. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, they're hard to drink. I mean, it's, it's, I don't drink them. I, I don't, uh, I, I don't drink them enough to have a preference. Well, listen to these alcoholics and we will be right with you guys for James Bond. World in the year 2017. In a time of tradition, in a city. The level on it's kind of fucked up. City, on the Miami Police Force in the deep south. Fine, I'll just I'll just cut it out. You know, it's fine. Do you guys do the trump? <laughs> Yes, yes. I, I would want you to like not cut that out because of just the fact that you said we have to do the Trump to this. That's for for the for those at home not watching on Zoom. That's the uh, dancing around uh, like you're jerking off two dicks four inches in front of your face on a stage in freezing cold weather. With this music playing underneath of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd have to do it way slower. So uh, if uh, unless you, I mean, we all know this music. You know where we're going this week. Going to buy as as Pat cracks open the Lacroix. We're going straight Bond hours. Of course, this is late fees. I am Justin here with Dom and Pat. Woo! Yeah, Eric will be joining us imminently. Of course, he has to have the Hollywood entrance and everything that he does because he's a diva. Yo, I I've been texting Eric about buying mushrooms for days, and I had to text him four times today that I got them. To get him to what, text me what, back. Are you guys even going to see each other to be doing these mushrooms? I'm going to take him to a field like seven. <laughs> Speaking of seven, we had our David Fincher episode two weeks ago. Do not to read any of his public comments. <laughs> Disappointed us a lot. Uh, I mean, let's just get into it. It's, it's a very, very slow uh, two weeks in, in movies. I mean, the, the year is pretty much a wrap. We've talked about this over and over again over the past at least I mean, all year, even before even Dom, you know, joined us on, on the show. But, uh, I mean, last movie to come out this year, going to be Wonder Woman, uh, December 25th. Yeah, I'm happy to be. I'm, I'm gonna, it's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, Dom, how do you feel about that move uh, to, to put it on HBO Max, put it in theaters? Uh, I, think, you know. I, think it's, I think it's the right call just because I would feel differently about it if every other movie before it hadn't also gotten moved. Like the minute everything for October, November got moved, the idea of exhibitors being sad that Wonder Woman's like going to be on HBO Max is it's like, what were they supposed to do? Every other major movie that could have helped people weather the storm until December, like Bond, you know, and everything else, like Dune, there's just nothing else. So like, they got to do what they got to do. Considering the fact that Warner, uh, HBO Max is like a really good streaming service that like not very many people actually actively use. 
I think they needed this kind of win. You know what I yeah, mean? Like yeah. it's a damn good streaming site. Like it's pretty fantastic. But like, I think they have what, like 17 million subs. Yeah. yeah. Like I think 80? they, they did botch their rollout a little bit where like they like eat for a while. You couldn't get it if you only had prime uh, HBO through prime, mm-hmm. but now you can go to HBO max and use your prime login and you have HBO max, but you have to go to HBO max you can't get HBO Max content on Amazon. So even that they finally integrated this, it's been a little bit of a botch job. I mean, even, I mean, even Roku, you couldn't even use it with Roku and all okay. this other stuff. That, that, I like mean, how? Just, how the hell they, was that the case? They just added Fire Stick. I would love to say that, I mean, we also have the, you know, pandemic also yeah. an, an issue with HBO and Max. But I mean, I don't think, I think it's safe to say that, you know, the Fresh Prince uh, reunion is not saving this app yeah, it's yeah. going to be it is going to be the dc content it is going to be the superhero content and it's going to be all the dc shows titans all that stuff stuff the, moving over the, the gun this. santa show is hbo max yep that's yep. gonna be great yeah so i mean they, they have great originals i still haven't watched the uh the pickle movie with uh, uh american pickle i think eric oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it was nice it just seemed too white for me i don't was it was it all right <laughs> it was all right i mean it's I feel like there was a lot of really weird uh, discourse around the movie that like I could not understand or get into because like I'm not Jewish and I just don't. It's the only thing I can really say about that movie is that it is a movie where a guy wakes up in the present day who was Jewish and has like, you know, slept through like the Holocaust. And at no point in the movie does anyone tell him about the Holocaust. Like it just never comes up. That's an interesting choice. I mean, I know it's a comedy, so it's, there's not room for that, really, I guess. But it just felt, it felt like a really weird omission. Yeah. You know, like if a, I just feel like if like a black dude woke up in a modern day movie from like 100 years, 200 years ago, whatever, and just no one explained to him about like everything that happened, it would be weird. Like, yeah. Yeah. How do you just gloss over that? Yeah. That, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. It's, I mean, but again, re- really cool. I can't wait to watch it. I, I think that a lot of people... You know, I, 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 I felt the seething anger in Patty Jenkins' uh, <laughs> uh, message to, to the world about this. Like, the beginning, he's like, well, you know, it's not always, but something to the effect of, like, you know, it's not how I wanted to premiere, but I'm like, motherfucker, this isn't how we wanted yeah, to Also, live. most people don't <laughs> care. Like, yeah. most people, which is almost everyone, yeah. I don't know why I said that, uh, they don't give a shit where they watch this movie. Like, they, you know, as uh, we care, but we don't mm-hmm. even care that much. No, not this. No, I mean, this yeah. is fine. Like, this yeah. is totally this is, fine. And how, just to, to Dom's I, point earlier about, like, using movies to, like, weather this situation, and this, uh, speaking of this episode also, wouldn't it just be so fucking great if No Time to Die were going to be on demand tomorrow? Like, come on, why? Yeah, it'd be fucking perfect. It's bullshit. I'd pay, I'd pay 20 to 20 bucks to see it. Like, well, come on, let me watch it. When yeah, I saw that I, news story about Apple almost getting it, I was like... Tim Cook. They almost paid what, like six hundred yeah. or something for it? Six hundred mil, yeah. That seems Which cheap. I, come on, it'd be so cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, what is the idea here that they were going to pay back what they felt as though it should have made to break even worldwide for that? I mean, yeah, I, I think they, the idea was they wanted to like, yeah, they wanted to just like hedge their bets, basically. I, Don't do that. I, I, I think <laughs> it would have been. I mean, there, how, there was how, no how? guarantee. There was no guarantee that that movie. And I, I feel Apple on this. There's no guarantee that that movie, which we had no one seen, no one's reviewed it, no one's you know even watched yeah. it, that that was going to get 600 million. That was that would have been up there. Respect, uh, not Spectre, Skyfall. Like, I don't think any of the movies have even reached that since. So. I, that would that would have been a dummy mission. But wouldn't it have been good in a in a just kind of flexing and b like. 
they they don't they haven't done anything like that like just do like do it for the press do it like it they they can burn money they don't they, they don't yeah, pay all that, taxes all that, uh, i mean i think that like i understand why netflix didn't do it because like there's not they're not in a position where they need that kind of bump or whatever mm-hmm. but i think apple tv plus like doesn't have like a cool big thing and also they could have paid for that with the money they saved by not putting uh phone chargers in the new iphone 12 lineup. <laughs> <laughs> What if they, they could have done that. It's like, hey, we were going to put the boxes in, but we figured you guys wanted to watch No Time well, to Die. Bond, well, I would, I would fuck with that deal if it had been every Bond on the streaming service for free, plus that yeah. movie, plus exclusive access to the next one whenever the fuck it comes out on Apple TV Plus yeah. day and date. Because by the time the next one comes out, everything's going to be day and date like Wonder Woman is. Yeah. I feel like Apple should have, or maybe this deal was floated around, but you know, just seeing this, I would have loved to watch all these movies in 4K HD like we did on Prime Video this week. Yeah, and the thing with that is, like, they I was, like, these, a lot of these are going to be off of Prime at the end of November, but it's Mm because they're all going to Hulu. So they just shuffle these around anyway. Mm -hmm. So Because Netflix had them, and there wasn't a shuffling where, you know, and I don't don't know about you guys, like, some of these movies, like, I had to, like, go and find another way to watch them. Netflix had, at one point, every single one of these movies, you know, all 20 at, the, at that point 25 or something like that or yeah. 24 at that point ready to go and you know it, it's just going to be interesting the more that we we come through um with the streaming stuff i watched the video on do you guys remember hd dvd mm-hmm. uh, i know yeah i remember the logo another so watched, another so another microsoft l yeah i well, well here's <laughs> the thing it wasn't really a microsoft l because Microsoft in, in this video, uh, the, the guy who made this video, and, and I, I guess, it, I, I forgot his name, but the channel is Stop Skeletons From Fighting. He made a video. <laughs> it's, it's primarily like a gaming channel, but yeah. he made a video about how Microsoft leveraged HD DVD and the Xbox to further their streaming plans. And, yeah. you know, Microsoft, every single time it looked like HD DVD was going to die, Microsoft would pump a huge money injection into it to keep it alive. Still, that it bought them time to create a streaming service that went on the Xbox and went on everything else. And I thought it was really interesting that they did that at the expense of Sony, who, I mean, we can say it now, but Sony didn't really win Blu ray. Like, DVDs are still out, they still come out. You know, and like, I would, I, I would honestly game. say it, uh, it's, it's total bullshit that I, like, I know it's, it, there's one in, in the PS5, but they could have put a 4K Blu ray player in the PlayStation also. Like, they, they, they sh- there should have been one, one yeah, in the, there. The PS5 actually doesn't, this is like super pure tech talk here, but doesn't have a ultra HD player. Neither does the Xbox, but the Xbox, of course, is, it has a Blu-ray player in it, but it, it's going more towards, you can stream 4K yeah, But you wait, HD. so wait, the PS5 does have a Blu-ray player. Or yes, it, it does. It does. It does. And it's, it's 4K, right? It's, I don't think it's ultra HD 4K. I would, Are you someone sure? Will have to, someone will have to, let me, let me, let me check. Let me check. Yeah, I, I'm going to be very upset about that. I might... It's going to be troubling. I, I, but, but, but again, it's like, you know, it, it is, it is, you know, a, a, a huge thing that the, that the, that the platform wars have like gone through also like systems. And now they're going through, through movies where it's like, Hey, like we watched all these James Bond movies and you know, yeah, it, it plays 4K. It looks great. Oh, it do, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking at it too. Okay. Yeah. Good. So yeah, it Woo! does. It does oh, play 4K God. ultra HD, but, but again, like the, there is, well, There's I market actually, for that. I, is my memory wrong here? We'll actually talk about movies here. We'll, we'll rein it back <laughs> in. Uh, is my memory wrong or was HD DVD 
like actually like better than blu-ray and they just kind of lost the marketing war in the end like is that think, true i don't think that it was the thing with hd it lost because of porn didn't like porn side with the blu-ray is that yes this is porn, this is true format? porn and well porn and the ps3 because remember yeah, ps3 right. sold well here's the like, ps3 was the cheapest blu-ray player on the market at that time the yeah. same way the ps2 was the cheapest dvd player at the time so when ps3 would have sold three million and it looked shitty next to the 360 it was actually the best selling uh physical player by a large margin yeah. because it was the only thing that people could afford to play these blu-ray players on the it's thing so about funny it, how porn did that with didn't porn destroy betamax too by yep. siding yes. with vhs yeah. yeah and and it was it was you know uh warner and i think um i think it was warner and sony were on the on the fence they they supported both yeah one was warner and paramount they supported both but you know from the beginning blu-ray had disney and sony already yeah. So it, it literally had already technically stomped the hole. And, but, there but are WB, people listening to this who've never even heard of HD DVD. Which is crazy. <laughs> it only lasted, it lasted uh, uh, maybe like two years. Yeah, I two, can't, years. To, to, back to your question, I can't remember if it was better, but I do know that Blu-ray had piracy protection, which was another big thing that a bunch of movie studios, including porn studios, yeah. were very in favor of. HD DVD was very much like open source, like, hey, you can do whatever the fuck you yeah. want. They didn't like that shit. Ixnay so, on that. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, again, like Blu-ray to me, I think it's like the final frontier of physical media. Like, I don't oh, think yeah, they're not, I mean, gonna, fork 4K, but like, it's not going to advance beyond that. Yeah. Like, it's going to be around. I don't know if DVDs will go the way of the Dodo ever, but you I mean, know, I, it, I listen, they're going to, there's going to be, I was saying this to somebody the other day because I, I just ordered uh, this one of the stupidest and funniest releases of the year, the Irishman Criterion version, because. <laughs> I what know. What is it? Six hours? Is it six it's hours? A, it's, a, it's literally just a, 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 a 4K transfer Blu-ray of the movie. But I know that in, you know, in three years, when I want to watch this movie again, uh, it, it, Netflix is going to be doing something. We're like, ah, actually, Irishman's only on Netflix from uh, November to January 15th, and then it's it's not on there the rest of the year. Like that is coming. If you think that shit isn't coming, you yeah. got it. You're out of your mind. So that's why I got this shelf full of bullshit. I just bought the the uh, midsummer 4K director's cut. They finally restocked it. Uh, just just bought that like a total buffoon. But guess what? What is that? What what is that? What is the 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 hours on that one? On the, on the I think uh, it's midsummer. I think it's seven, like twenty more hours. minutes or something. Seven hours. <laughs> seven it has the actual letters. That, it's all just uh, more uh, top down symmetrical shots of the uh, of the pictures. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I won't. I won't go through and, and bore everyone with with what are we watching. This is going to be a lot more just chilling. It's, we're almost at Thanksgiving here. You guys will be listening to this on Black Friday, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, after you uh, killed your family, yeah, I, hopefully not. <laughs> I, I say at the top of the show, I really hope you guys are being very responsible and not carrying COVID over to your uh, your your significant others. Uh, I think if you week. can't do it outdoors or with people you've seen regularly since this started, you should think otherwise. I'll be spending a few hours uh, sitting far away from a friend in his backyard, and uh, that's all I'll be doing. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. Um, I I am still I'm still freebasing Power Rangers, and I don't know if I'll ever stop. You have to have watched hundreds of hours of it by now. I've watched at least 100 episodes at this point. I'm about to finish the Fox Kids era. Of, so that's a, ne- a new network. Yeah, I'm about to go to Disney with it, with these motherfuckers. So uh, XD? check out my... 
check out my uh, thread on this. XD is the, when Saban took control over it. Okay. So that's it. I got I got at least, and I don't know if I'm going to be watching all those, but I got at least seven more series. I have a feeling. That happens. I think I'll be, I think I will be. I watched the movie though. That's what I wanted to get to that point. I got to the Power Rangers movie. Um, I thought it was still very weird because it's two different movies. It's one that's really cool in the first half and I, I really enjoyed it. In the second half, I feel like the director didn't give a fuck about the. It's act, where like the actual... Rita's in love with Ivan Ooze, right? Like she tries to like seduce him and that shit. That is not it. That's the that is the. Oh, you're one. talking about the new one. Oh, you're talking about, I'm the, talking new about one. the new one. No, I'm talking about. Uh, the new I was one. like, I, I was like, wait, you only like, had oh, to yeah, watch like three seasons to get to that first movie. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I'm talking about the new one, the reboot, reimagining. Sorry, uh, sorry. They, I felt as though the director didn't give a shit about the actual what we watch yeah. this movie for the fight you you have historically treated this movie as a somewhat of a curio if you haven't loved it yes it, it um i i really enjoyed it i think eric did too um we, we it's worth watching it. like it's it's fun mm-hmm. uh i feel like it got kind of a bad rap when it came out but like when i finally i watched it maybe like a year later or something i was like oh this is like this is fun i don't know why people are mad it got tagged because it was like grimdark and all this stuff and i was like i don't feel like it was really i mean more ya than anything but it was it wasn't really super dark it was i felt like there was an understanding with the characters that the shows um and and and, i mean just in relation to the shows the shows actually move to more adult storylines as it goes on and i feel like that's when they started to really understand the characters that they have i mean still it's cheesy writing whatever you know yeah coming here for but the movie kind of goes in the vein of trying to understand the characters and their motivations and you know branch them out to a new generation and i feel like again like dom said it got a pretty bad rap um i i i don't like the suits i didn't like the zords in the movie but i thought everything else was, was solid they're actually re, they're rebooting the series again and it's going to be a um the, the guy who, uh, yeah the, the end of the yeah. fucking world or something like that I yeah think. yeah oh that um, I, the first season of that was good yeah so i didn't watch he, the second one he is going to direct the movie, and also the movie will connect to a TV show, uh, TV series, a- okay. actually as well. So it's going to actually you know, have fool me thing. can't get fooled again. I've heard this a few times now in the past few years, and it has never actually happened. I think it could happen, happen with here. Dark Tower. Didn't happen with uh, fucking. There's something else that they did where I was like, that's they're talking about doing it with Dune. I don't know if that's going to end up happening. Not a yeah. chance. Not a yeah, chance. Not a chance. That's not. It doesn't seem like that's Dennis's. Uh, that's his they MO. Just, so, what, something else just lost somebody. Uh, Terrence Winter just left whatever he was on. Was that a that was a, a movie show? Well, oh what, yeah, he's the. I can't remember what he's doing. Something weird. Yeah, I, I um, <laughs> I I think this could work because Hasbro who control of transformers and they're also rebooting transformers as well they own power rangers now this is something that they are heavily invested in i look at their social media for power rangers they're very involved in that uh franchise and i think it could actually work i, I think it's pretty sad that that's your power rangers talk for the week i'm gonna do a whole ramen talk about this with cyrus in a couple of days so be on the lookout for that but we're gonna talk all power rangers but that's what i've been watching what about what about you two just just real quick uh, I just watched, I don't know if you guys had heard about this, but like Joe Carnahan has a movie out with, oh, it's no. not really out, with uh, Frank Grillo. It's called Boss Level. It's oh, like I a, have heard about this. Yeah, it's like, it's like a time loop movie, but it's an action movie. So it's like an, act, like an action movie guy living the same day over and over again. Yeah. And it was supposed to come out like two years ago or something. And it leaked, I guess, online the other day because I saw it like on a torrent site. And then five minutes later, I saw Deadline reported that Hulu bought it. And I was like, oh, okay, it must have like been debuted on Hulu. It is not. It was on like a French Amazon Prime or something, and that's why it's on the internet. Yeah. But Hulu's not putting it out till like March. Amazing. Um, Amazing. But I watched it. It's actually pretty fun. I like I, 
I have to have a soft spot for Joe Carnahan, man. I think even his like kind of shitty movies are like fun, you know, like kind of gritty, kind of like cool, like macho movies or whatever. You like I know smoking aces. Like I love smoking aces. I, I, I think like smoking aces. It's I like, like kind of a. It, 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 I think I think that movie in particular has what I call like shoot 'em up syndrome, which is yeah. like here's the really fun, crazy, cool concept. Let's fuck it up in the third act by trying to be a real movie out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't, don't, don't bring me that. I don't need any tragic backstory shit. Just keep, keep people getting shot, you know? Yeah. Uh, but this movie does the same thing, but I think it's more successful at it. It was like, I thought it was like, I mean, Mel Gibson's in it. He's like the villain. Um, uh, it's like the second fucking Mel Gibson movie I watched. Yeah, you week. guys buried the lead. You both oh, watched wow. Fat Man. Yeah, we both watched <laughs> Fat Man. Uh, I, yeah. I haven't had the, the liberty of, watching your review yet dom so i don't know how you feel about it but <laughs> not great i mean i thought i thought it was like a lot sweeter than i expected i was like this movie is like weirdly actually kind of has like a heart but you're watching mel gibson be santa claus the whole time so you really there's a part of you that's like this is weird yeah there's a dis- uh, there's a dissonance there with him having like a black wife yeah <laughs> I, was I was like, like this is a choice the, the, i was the, yeah at least in drag really- across concrete you're like yeah this is believable this is mm-hmm. this is him what fucked me up is someone uh, commented on my video that they would have watched it if Russell Crowe was Santa, and I was so mad because that would have been so good. That would have been great. I would have like actually, fat Russell Crowe now as as a gun toting Santa Claus, and I would have yeah, robbed. Yeah. Oh, actually, this is hey, this is perfect uh, because I just uh, I just watched the Nice Guys, uh, which I fell asleep in uh, because it was ten thirty at night, and I was kind of drunk the first time I went to see it, and I just have been like, yeah, I, I, it was great. Uh, it, was, it was hilarious <laughs> for like four years, uh, but I finally watched it and it was great and hilarious. Uh, it was also like a lot of neo-noirs don't, they nail like the the world, but they don't nail the actual like dumb, confusing noir story. And that was a knockout of the park in this movie. Uh, I mean, I know everyone loves it. I'm like totally late to the party here, but uh, it was funny. It's Ryan Gosling was, it's probably his best movie. I mean, the, the list isn't super long for me, but uh, it's, it's probably his best. And uh, his physical comedy was uh, very surprising. Yeah. Also, him and Crow together is so good in that movie. Like it's insane. Yeah. I also caught a couple of minutes of the Kevin Hart. Oh no. Comedy special <laughs> that he keeps telling us he totally doesn't care that we don't like. Remember guys, he does not care that we don't like this movie. <laughs> no fucks given, he said. It is objectively terrible. He should retire now. He's bad. It's I don't any- know why he hasn't. Like you can just keep making movies where you play Kevin Hart and occasionally The Rock joins you. Like just do that for however long they'll let you. Yeah. It, Didn't uh, it did anybody watch the new the second Jumanji? Yeah, I did. You good? Yeah, it's good. I, it's not as good as the first one, but I think that as far as continuing... I guess we're actually speaking about the third and second Jumanji's, not the yeah. second and first, but you know yeah, what the, I mean. Yeah, the second and third, I, I think, again, this was this the, the second, or whatever, I'll say second one. The second one feels like it's a lot of franchise building, um, and uh, I think a lot of the heart from the first one is not really... It doesn't really work. I think when you, when you, when you put DeVito and, and uh, Glover in there, it's like, that's dope, but it felt like it was like stunt casting. Yeah, bit. yeah. It felt kind of weird. Um, but let's step into 007 movies. We watched, we were tasked with, by, by our taskmaster, Pat. We were tasked so with watching. This was crowdsourced. No, nah, it was not crowdsourced. Not the rest of these movies. We'll get to that. <laughs> but we'll, we had to watch Goldfinger, Live and Let Die, Living Daylights, GoldenEye, and Casino Royale. Um, sh- two of these movies I, I've watched literally 100 times. And uh, the rest of these uh, I've maybe seen once or twice, so I had to go back and watch them. Um, we're going to start out, I think, with 
I want to start out with, let's just go first with, with these movies in, 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 in order, really. Uh, yeah. Goldfinger was like the third James Bond movie. And we had, you know, rest in peace, my man, Sean Connery. Bond. James Bond. He was one of the goats and he has really, really like, you know, kind of shepherded this series all the way through. So we're going to start off with Goldfinger. This movie came out in 1964, third James Bond movie uh, starring Sean Connery, uh, Honor Blackman as Pussy Galore. We're going to talk about that. And uh, Gert Frobe as Auric Goldfinger. This John movie, Daly. This movie is something else, fellas. Uh, it really is something else. It, it, honestly, I was watching this and I was just thinking, and I like this movie, but I was watching this just thinking, God damn, Awesome Powers is a funny fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I, I did, last year I did like a, for the first time I ever watched most of these Bond movies, because I'd only ever really seen the Craig movies, anything pre-Brosnan, I'd only seen like in pieces. And it was astonishing to me how much the entire series is fucked up if you've seen the Awesome Powers movies. Yes. It's like trying to watch a musical biopic after Walk the Line or Walk Hard. You know what yeah, I mean? Like exactly. It, it completely destroys so many things. So like certain yeah. parts of these movies that are like charming to normal people or, or just anyone who saw them first. Yeah. I just I just could not take seriously at all. Like 100%. It, all of the Roger Moore movies. Yeah, you're just like, yeah, that's okay. That's fucking and, a joke. And <laughs> I think going back and seeing how Austin Powers deconstructed these, it's almost like, no, this wasn't a joke. They they played it completely like a joke in Austin Powers, but they played these things straight in these yeah. actual movies. And I but thought that's that why that was, it, that's why it kind of works. Yeah, it, it it is insane. So the 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 gist of this, and you know, it, there's a lot of like moving parts in every single Bond movie. There, like, I think that they pretty much follow the same formula. Cold open, uh, Bond gets the mission. Uh, there's a middle section where the, someone gets betrayed, a woman dies. That literally happens in damn near every one of these movies. Yeah, there's, I never realized how these movies all have like two or three Bond girls. Yes, and, and usually one of them dies. Usually yeah. one of them is One's evil. Him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like that's the crux of these movies. So I'll, I'll say like I'll do a boilerplate <laughs> description of these movies and we'll talk about them, deep dive into them as, you know, on their own merits about what they do well and what they don't do well. So the plot of this has Bond... Uh, basically going against a gold magnate, uh, Auric Goldfinger, who loves gold, as, as Shirley Bassett. I love gold. Tells you, uh, tells you here, and he uncovers a plan for Goldfinger to try and, with his mafioso buddies, uh, essentially rob Fort Knox. Yeah, all these villains, and this is, I love that these movies, basically the villain has a Saturday morning cartoon plot of evil like (laughs) he's going to disrupt the gold value worldwide by like holding fort knox hostage with radiation like this is great and i think like they it speaks to like what i really love about and i like casino royale i think is one of the best bond movies there is uh i really like i like that like a lot of the higher production value of the newer movies but i think what you have until until the from the beginning of the series until the end of the brosnan era is basically the action movie version and the only series that has ever achieved this, but it's the action movie version of what sitcoms try to create, which is you can watch the first half of an episode, fall asleep and wake up and watch the second half of another episode. And you could be like, yeah, I watched the show. And, and that is not, that sounds like such a knock on these movies. I do not mean it like that at all, but taking the like Fort Knox element out of them and putting Craig into it, it it doesn't work the same. The Fort Knox thing in Goldfinger is literally introduced about an hour and 40 <laughs> minutes into the movie. These are long movies, man. Yeah, the first half of this movie, uh, you know, you know, Bond 
uh, destroys a drug laboratory. And then he's in Miami, which has the worst green screen. If you see this in 4K, they were not there. They did not film this movie in America at all. They, they filmed this movie literally on a soundstage in Pinewood, I believe. And mm-hmm. um, so, like, it was really interesting to see that. But, you know, there is a section where he's, he is uh, basically trying to fuck with Goldfinger. For the first half of this movie, he's literally fucking with yeah, him. Yeah, they haven't seen each other. And then when they finally meet, he's like, it's me, the guy who was fucking with you the whole time. Let's play some golf. Yeah, it, it was, it's so weird because... And then he fucks with him at the golf game. He, he fucks with him at the golf game. <laughs> it's almost like, I, are we meant to like... It's almost like this, this, this idea of masculinity is that you have to be an asshole to the guy who's thought of as lesser. Like, Goldfinger is a, a, a overweight. Uh, he has a weird accent. He, you know, he, he just looks he's a like a... bank nerd. Yeah, he's like a schlo- He's like a nerd. And, and Bond is like the football jock. I think so- Bond is, I will say, he is so cool in this movie. Like, he's, he's so cool. Every one of these movies is essentially just like the Virgin versus Chad feud. It's always just Bond and then like either a short guy or like a, a deformed guy or a fat it's guy or whatever. Guy. It's a bunch of a bunch of losers. And it's just like Bond's got to fuck his girl. Bond's got to steal some money from him. Bond's got to... It's like... It's weird that he's essentially supposed to be like an imperialist tool of the government, but most of the time he's just trying to get laid and kill people. Yeah, and he's like, like a, they're and, kind and of scuzzy movies. Yeah, and I mean the Connery movies in particular too. Like Goldfinger is, I I mean probably the best of the Connery movies, like uh, bar maybe like From Russia with Love. But as the movies go on, he gets shittier and shittier, and like Connery <laughs> puts Connery puts less effort into being likable and more just into being like a dick. Yeah. So the, by the time he like leaves the franchise, you're almost kind of happy to see him go. And like, it's cool that in Goldfinger, it's like the peak of he's a dick, but he's like, you're a dick. Like you like this piece of shit guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's still like, fun. But after a while, it's, it's not fun. You're like, this guy's, a, this guy's awful. Yeah. There are, there are, I mean, there are moments like literally within the first, the first act, he, uh, when one of his friends comes up, he tells her like, you know, time for you to leave. It's man talk. He slaps her in the ass and she goes on her way. And it's like, it's actually, a, he gets in the rare, I think, I think he he uses both hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, uh, and again, like this is what these movies became from this. I mean, the movie before this had a completely different tone than Goldfinger does. So like this is basically the 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 formula for Bond movies and how they, you know, how they would be made from from here. Um the action here I I you know I'm a really big fan of Dalton, and I think I realized how much of a fan I was, like, rewatching these. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, yo, like, the fight scenes, the action is cool. But these come from, and we'll talk about it when we talk about uh, Living Daylights, these come from a certain time when that yeah. was, like, that was important. In this one, there's barely any, like, gun, gun fighting and gunplay in this. A lot of it's hand-to-hand. Uh, I, I thought that, that, like, it looked very, like, to me in a way, like, raw, like, these fight scenes. Yeah, I mean, it's still the 60s. So, like, they're basically, like, uh, right? This was, like, late 60s, I think, when this one came 64, out. 64, I believe, yeah. 64, yeah. 64, yeah. I mean, movies had barely Almost been... Batman era? Like, yeah, they, they were... Color wasn't a regular thing until, like, right when this movie came out, basically. Uh, so, uh, or, maybe you know, maybe a little before. I'm no scientist. But uh, it's, just <laughs> like, it's just, like, you can tell how... And it's, it's, you know, depending on whether or not you like this sort of thing, part of how rudimentary they are is, like, their charm. Like, it is cool that, to a certain extent, some guy did actually have to build a little pen, like, shoot something out of it. Like, the effects had to be practical. Like, that's they were actually kind of building gadgets. It's, it isn't as action-driven. And I think eventually there is, like, a medium they find uh, between the two. Uh, 
but it, it, it does feel quaint almost compared to, you know, when the eighties version of the theme hits and like a helicopter is going sideways. Well, there's kind of a, it's sort of a bridge between like, I feel like the James Bond franchise is a bridge between like the Hitchcock thriller, which is like really engaging and like engrossing and stuff, but is not like, like North by Northwest is thrilling, but you wouldn't consider it like an action movie. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just like an old wooden faced man running from a plane. (laughs) But I think the James Bond movies, like each one of them, especially throughout the Connery years, finds different ways to be more like from Russia with love has like really good fights between uh, Connery and like Robert Shaw this mm-hmm. has like a, a couple of really good fights in Thunderball. They try to like do that, like this long uh, underwater sequence. Like they keep trying to find ways to make yeah. it more thrilling and they fail. Uh, and, and sometimes sometimes they succeed, but like it, you do see sort of a progression of getting closer to what modern action movies are like. And not yes. to say that this movie like pioneered any of those things, but throughout the franchise, you're going to see that like they often mirror what's going on in other movies. And, like at the mm-hmm. time there, you know, this is essentially like, aping the kinds of hand-to-hand combat you would see like in like a TV show kind of like it's, it's very rudimentary. Yeah. But then as other action things happen in the franchise, like molds that stuff into it, you know? And- yeah. I just watched marathon man the other day and it was, uh, I mean, the, the villain is a Nazi jewel thief basically, but it's more in many ways, it's Dustin Hoffman in what's essentially a bond movie. Yeah. Cause the bond movie is structurally not that dissimilar from like the wrong man thriller that Hitchcock would do. And like, Dustin Hoffman running from like a weird guy and not having a word to turn is like the same kind of vibe. Yeah. There's, there's one fight in this movie in Goldfinger, like in the beginning when the, he's about to fuck this girl that he just met and then a guy comes in and tries to kill him. And yes. his first instinct is to like throw the girl <laughs> like, yeah. into, into harm's way. And I know that like, it's like, it's cool. Cause like, I think if you made that movie today, that would be a, a, a specific creative choice to show the audience that this character is unscrupulous. But here it's just like, that's just like what Connor would have done. Like Connor yeah. <laughs> like thought armor in front of him or whatever moved on with his life. And watching again this time, I was like, damn, this guy doesn't fuck about like anyone or anything really. Um, let's talk about villains really quick. Uh, this is the debut of Odd Job, which is everyone's hated, most hated character in GoldenEye in 64. This motherfucker right here. There's no way he was this short actually in the movie because in the, in the game, he's like three feet tall. It's bullshit. Yeah, it is weird. The game makes it like more racist. Yeah, more racist and like way more like unfair to, to do. So uh, odd jobs in this movie, very, uh, listen, like this, these types of roles. Random there's task. There's always the silent but deadly antagonist in these movies. Not so many times it's been this racist, but uh, very <laughs> much so this time. Uh, he plays Goldfinger's kind of bodyguard, driver, whatever he needs. Caddy. Caddy, all of those things. Um, of course, we got to talk about the hat. I mean... How ridiculous were they really trying to get with this hat shit? The, the uh, Odd Jobs hat has to, first off, Odd Job, great henchman name, fantastic. Uh, and on paper, it's kind of cool, but I mean, where do you learn that from? Also, where do you learn how to crush a golf ball in your fucking hands from? Yeah, the, that's After a little the, question. Almost, I think almost every henchman has a scene where he crushes something in his hand because, like, Live and Let Die has. The dude with the claw hand. <laughs> yeah. And he yeah. crushes. So that's like, that becomes like a thing. Like, oh, this yeah. guy's tough. He can break stuff with his hand. Like, was that back in the day? Like, oh, wow. He can crush a thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, that's, it, that's like, oh, no. That means, I, listen, I know a couple people in college that could crush some shit too after a couple beers. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, they maybe they, they can work, work for, for Smurf Specter, I guess. So. Yeah. But I mean, Goldfinger is really home to one of the biggest and most famous Bond villains. That is Goldfinger. 
Um, I th- I thought he was great. I I mean, again, we've seen this scene, we've heard this line, but the no, I expect you to die. He he barred him up right there. The delivery is so good. <laughs> and, and if somebody told me that, I'd be like, ah, oh, damn it. You got me. That was yeah. the one time mine got <laughs> yeah. Bond was like, fuck, how do I do Laser this? about to burn his cock off. But but it's like the laser thing, like I've seen it on The Simpsons. I've seen it in Austin Powers. You've seen yeah. the laser thing in so many different movies. Like this movie is home to so many iconic <laughs> things. And, and uh, Austin Powers may never have ethered Bond worse than uh, the unnecessarily slow dipping mechanism, which yeah. like <laughs> literally any time Bond gets caught, you hear Dr. Evil say the like, Begin the unnecessarily slow dipping mechanism. And you're like, well, he's going to, it's fine. But we like the machines. We like the machines, folks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we also had here a, a slew of, uh, of Bond women. You have Tilly Masterson, played by Tanya Mallet, and Jill Masterson, played by Shirley Eaton. Of course, you have Honor Blackman as Pussy Galore, a name that American... Uh, American theater uh, operators did not want to have on the actual poster. Her name was Miss Galore on the posters or Goldfinger's personal pilot. They said, fuck you and put Octopussy out a few years later. <laughs> How insane is this name? Okay, like what what the hell was going through their, their names? Like there's a part where she catches him and Bond says, pussy. And I'm like, are you serious? It's, it actually, I'm not, I promise I'm going to stop talking about Austin Powers after Goldfinger, but it, a, a lot of Fachina is actually a more realistic name than Pussy Galore. <laughs> a lot of Fachina, you're like, that just sounds really foreign. I just must be saying it strangely. Like, Pussy you Galore, even, you're like, oh no, that's, that's it. Where do you even well, get I think, that name from? Like, what, what's like, wild about what, it too is she has the most like sexual name of, of in almost any of the, of the Bond girls. And she's like the least Bond girl like, like yes. up until the point where like Bond like essentially forced himself onto her in like a hayloft. Up until that point, she's one of the only women in the series that doesn't fall for his like shtick. Yeah, she's actually one of the only ones who sort of like stands up for herself and is like you know does shit on her own and stuff. So that feels like extra fucked up that like they did have like one sort of like strong female role, I guess you could say, sort of in these movies this early on, and like her name's Pussy Galore, and like she's still in the fucking mod. Uh, it's terrible. Okay, so what I want to do with these movies, I don't want to rate them on if we're going to keep them. I want to rate them based on their themes. Okay, uh, okay. Let's rate them on their themes. Can I say what's, first of just uh, because of what I said earlier about them being so, it's like the ultimate marathon franchise. I, I think for that reason, you either, it's the most case of all or nothing in terms of keeping them that we've yeah, ever yeah, had. Yeah, yeah, That's why I don't want to rate yeah, them yeah, as yeah. like, would you keep yeah. them? Because the thing is, as shitty as some of these are, and, and I don't you gotta think, keep them. surprisingly, yeah. I don't think we actually watched the shitty one on this No, episode. I think we watched all, the, no. they're all solid. Yeah. They're, all, they're all good. So I want to rate them on, on themes. This this theme, and, I, and at the end, I want to do like, you know, just an all-encompassing one. What, are we fucking with this theme? Oh, I yeah. thought it was kind of loud. The Goldfinger one? Yeah. It's pretty I good. think it's dope. It's, it's a loud-ass theme, but I fuck with it. He loves the gold. Yeah, it's good. It, it, it's tell, it actually tells the story of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> the other ones, they kind of just were like, uh, they just go off in their own direction. Here's the chorus. That's all we need. The so, Beatles uh, were like, yeah, we're not doing a plot song. <laughs> so let's move on to 1973's Live and Let Die. You know, we're all talking about different bonds each movie. So we're, going, we're moving on to the guy... Old ass shit, Roger Moore. My name's Bob. James Bob. So this is, you know, full meme intact in, in, in here. Very, very like Bond movie here with Live and Let Die. 1973, so I already know what era we're running into. We're running into exploitation. 
and a larger role for African-Americans in cinema and in film. And so I'm, I'm glad that we got to all watch this. I watched this a couple of years ago, maybe about, about a year ago when they all were on Netflix. Um, this is, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, very progressive in a, in a way that you wouldn't think for a, for a Bond movie. It had the first African-American Bond girl uh, and uh, Gloria Hendry, who plays, uh, you know, Rosie Carver, Carver in the movie. And again, like the Carver name is like, okay, are you guys really going to yeah. do that with George Washington <laughs> yeah, Carver? They really are. But, but, but it's, but, but again, like to there fair, are so much stuff in Bond is on the nose. It was, it just like categorically fits more than is yeah. like actively offensive. <laughs> At least she didn't get like ass fat or something like that. Like it would have. <laughs> yeah, if it, had she been named in the pussy galore tradition, it would have been very racist. I, listen, I have no black ass or some yeah. shit like that. I don't know if I would have been able to do that. But I, I watched this movie, you know, a while ago, and I figured, and I felt like it was pretty respectful to not only New Orleans but the whole idea of voodoo. That is the whole, the huge mm. thing. This is where Bond goes completely supernatural out of fucking control i mean when you said which one has when we were coming up with the crowdsource list uh (laughs) and i was like which more one and you were like which one has voodoo i was like "Uh (laughs) uh-oh oh no these i didn't know they were offensive in this way i thought i knew all the ways uh it's it's it's, it kicks ass yeah this movie's great it's really good and i thought long even it is long and we're, we'll get to that. But I thought that the cold open was a good also for not having bond in it at all. I mm-hmm. thought it was really dope. You put the, it put your fet Kodo uh, and the theme of all of that, of all the movie. And it, it puts it all right there in the, in the cold open, right up to the snake biting the guy into the fucking amazing <laughs> intro to the movie with yeah. the fucking skulls and the fucking hand hiding the girl's boot, butt crack and open it up to yeah. another girl. It's so fucking great. I love this movie a lot. Yeah, it's it's sick. And I mean, again, like when when you said voodoo, I was like, this is going to be like the five minutes in child's play where it's like careens <laughs> off the rails. And there's like not only voodoo, but like weird violence against uh, the only black guy in the movie. And like, <laughs> but but this movie's not like that. Uh, I mean, they they do they do New Orleans well, which I mean, it's, you know, you, you if you're placing it in a city like this, you kind of have to not fuck up the portrayal of the city. Yeah. which they didn't do and and they and actually then, filmed it there they yeah, actually fucking yeah. filmed it there he which runs is across great. crocodiles i mean what it's literally you- a bond movie that starts off like a black exploitation movie and then turns into a burt reynolds movie with like no difficulty like it, it just it yeah. just does that with no sort of like in between it's great i mean i think one i think yafa koto is like one of the best bond villains like ever i think he it's such a like jack kirby comic concept too like the idea of like this like African like uh, dictator guy being like like going undercover is like a Harlem drug lord. Yeah, and the yeah. Fact, <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but when I when I rewatched it this time, my first thought when he actually the reveal that he's both characters, which is like I should be obvious to anyone watching the movie. I realized that there had to be people who, when they first saw it, didn't realize they were the same I didn't person. realize it. I'm one of those oh, people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I first started watching the movie, I was like, oh, it's cool. Yafakoto's wearing like like you know like weird a weird mask, and yeah. then. When the reveal finally happened, I was like, "This was this supposed to be a twist?" Because like it, it seemed kind of whatever, but like I, but I also thought, the effect when he peels it off, it looks cool. It's really it was fucking good great. It's yeah. also really fucking scary. I, I thought that the the that and the voodoo aspect of this movie is actually fucking terrifying mm-hmm. because the movie treats it with a gravity and a seriousness that is like this is something Bond's never faced before. He doesn't necessarily blow it off either. He's, he's like because the thing is, as soon as he steps off the plane. 
in this movie, they're already almost they've already almost killed this motherfucker. They they have like literally they they're on his ass. They like make the they make the the antagonist in this movie uh out to be very serious in a in a force that he's never like he's used to fighting like again like fat motherfuckers and all this other shit. Yeah. Like these are actually like these are like cool motherfuckers that he's actually fighting this time. I think a lot of that is just that it's it's Roger Moore now. And like Sean Connery's Bond was always like the big swing and dick who was never really in trouble. You always knew he was gonna fucking kill somebody and get the girl. Roger Moore throughout these movies like fights from underneath. You know what I mean? He's more mm. like sort of an like underdog, baby face guy. Yeah. So like he's a lot more willing to to look weak so that when he like gets over it's like it's a bigger deal. Uh and I think that's like one of the few things I like about Roger Moore Bond, because there's there's not a lot of other things I like about him. Another thing that I like in this movie is Jane Seymour looking like a damn box in this damn movie. You feel me? She's 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 out there from the movie. I feel moment. like I'm in wedding crashers and when I'm she staying in her up, house. When she popped up in the movie. <laughs> had to turn it on, bruh. Had to turn it on, bruh. It it it, it was there. When Gloria Hendry showed up, it was it was all there. I, I was in love. From the moment that I seen them, I, I I love the bond the bond women in this movie. They're they're great. It's, it's they're a awesome. it's a it's a high quality bond bond girl flick. And they're not written like idiots either, which is crazy to think of because literally right after this movie, you you run it's right into a bit into, of a a bit of a dip. Yeah, I'm gonna get you your cello career, lady. Don't worry. Yeah, exactly. Like you're running in the fucking man with the golden gun, which which you know again had a very dubious. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, Bond women in that movie as well. Remember but... unlocking the golden gun in the video game, though? Walking the specific path to get yes. it? Yes, and fucking Scaramanga. Did, did more face the weirdest villains in this franchise? Cause right yeah, the, well, the had... most diverse, too, because, yeah. like, he starts off... More has such a weird tenure in that each of mm-hmm. his movies is, is very different. He has, like, a, the most variety of the movies. Yeah. He ends up actually going into the 80s, he, you know, the, the residual 60s stuff, early 70s. And, uh, I mean, he fought Christopher Walken. He fought Scaramanga. He, he fights uh, Yafit Koto in this. Like, yes. uh, Hugo Drax. Like, yeah, he actually, he covers, like, a pretty, a pretty good mix of, of villains. He, has, uh, I think, he, he tries to have sex with Grace Jones at one point. He's, like, <laughs> 70. Very weird. He, I mean, I, 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 I remember putting this in, like, my letterbox review when I saw this, is that, like, they wanted more to take over the role earlier, like when he was still doing the saint and like it kind of fell apart. So by the time they actually bring him in to take over the role, he's already a little bit too old and then just continues to be too old in each subsequent movie. Yeah, he was, I'm looking out, he was mid forties when he took the role. And it kind of reminds me of like, this is like a really like niche, like wrestling nerd thing, but like, like Ring of Honor, like the wrestling promotion years ago had this weird period of time where someone would get the title, like someone would become like the top champion guy a year and a half too late when people yeah. weren't interested in him anymore. And then it Black. happened. Yeah. From that, from, from when, when Seth Rollins formerly Tyler Black won the title for the next four years, every time someone won the title, it was too late. And nobody cared. Yeah. And like that same thing happens with the bond movies. Like Roger Moore got it too late. Dalton got it too late. Brosnan mm-hmm. got it like six years too late. Mm-hmm. And it, it, as a result, they each have one really good movie. And then every other movie you're like, this looks like my grandfather, my grandfather. Yeah. Should not- <laughs> and, and then Moore was there for over 10 years. The longest tenure of anybody within this too fucking long too long it's weird too because he 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 also gets better acting wise like his last two his last two or three movies aren't very good but like he's good in them because he's actually trying for the first time so it's like really sad to see a dude like giving a good performance in like a mediocre movie yeah it it is uh and in this one i mean this was this was his first one 
Uh, so again, like there, there's a, there's a, there's a, a looseness here. He's, he's very like, you know, I'm, I'm here. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm, I'm glad to be here. And it feels like he's, he's able to give, he's able to give the character its own, his, his own little style. He, he hadn't really figured it out yet, but I think that again, like he's not my favorite one. Uh, I don't think that it's his fault because as, as Dom said, it was way too late for him. But um, I, I do really enjoy a lot about this movie. Yafet Kodo is the man. I think he's one of the most underrated black actors of all time. Like this guy did so many weird fucking movies in his tenure. But I mean, this one is definitely like up there in the, in the pantheon of like cool roles that he's ever had. Good. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I really, I really enjoy this movie. So let's rate this, this theme. Of course, this was Paul and Linda McCartney uh, as wings, of course, doing this theme. I really like this theme. I, I thought that it like the way that it starts off really slow and then it goes into pure fucking chaos is like, is awesome. To me. Yeah. Yeah. I think it might be the best Bond theme. You think so? Uh, what's, what, what's your, my, my top five. Oh my God. What would be a top five? I really like, um, I really like view to a kill. I like, Gold, I like golden eye a lot. Yeah. Obviously we got it. We got to do casino Royale's theme as well. I thought Adele. I think I thought Adele did her thing. Also, mm. this is up there. I, I I'll say this is in my top five. You're right. I, I thought the weird '80s. The ah, uh, like we're gonna talk about the. the <laughs> like I thought the the '80s period is like some of the strongest themes that, that this franchise has ever. It's had. so funny how it's like, oh yeah, this is in the '80s. <laughs> in case you were unsure, yeah. yeah. Speaking of, I mean, shit. Let, let's just go right to it for yeah. a break. Let's 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 go into uh, the Living Daylights. Great title, Timothy Dalton. And the thing is that Living Daylights is, is funny because it wasn't this. This isn't the name of a villain, nor is it the name of a virus or a a red or a fucking MacGuffin or anything. He literally just says it in the movie, and uh, I mean, that's where we get the name from. Yeah, she was. I must have scared the Living Daylights out of her. James Bond. So like it, it is, it's really like cool that I mean they they took something out of it, but this is these Dalton movies are from a certain time, and that would be late '80s going into the '90s. We've got movies like Lethal Weapon, uh, you know Shane Black is killing it at this point. Movies got a lot, and I you know I hate to say this, everything changed, but you know everything changed at this point, and movies are more violent, they are more exploitative. And these movies reflect upon that. And I think this is why his era is looked upon very negatively because these movies, I mean, the Dalton movies are violent as fuck. They're, and they're they super violent. To talk about like 80s violence. They're, they're hanging out of the back of a plane and shit. Like, yeah. oh, oh we, we, gotta, we gotta drop the air horn for uh, the Mujahideen. Oh yeah, this one is definitely uh, for the brave soldiers out there. So shout out to them. Because they get a bunch of love in this movie. About, uh, strangely. about one year, a little after the one-year anniversary of the Rambo episode. Shout out! To, <laughs> I, I've been playing a lot of Mortal Kombat 11. Rambo is in that movie or in that game. He's amazing. He's <laughs> so they, 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 it is so insane that Sylvester Stallone cut dialogue, pure dialogue, for every single character in that game. He talks to every single one of them. Uh, all of them have references to his movie. Like they, one of them has a reference to "Don't uh, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot." There's a reference to "Stop or My Mom Will Shoot" in a Mortal Kombat game. A cliffhanger when he talks to Joker. Joker says a cliffhanger quote from the movie. I'm just like, bro, this is 
they they killed it with him. But so if you have more comment, hey, Sub Zero. He's de- <laughs> one of his win quotes is "Nothing is over." Like he literally <laughs> says it in one of his win quotes. It's it's amazing. But but I mean, Living Daylights uh, has Bond essentially uh, in in this in this movie. It it is a again. This was one of the hardest to follow plots, man. It is. It, it is all about again Cold War era Russia. Uh, there's a guy who he's trying to extradite from the from the from the country. Uh, he ends up double crossing him. There's a woman involved who was a sniper who Bond had seen. Again, these are these are like very. I'd say like to me like feel like Tom Clancy fucking movies or some shit like that. Yeah, like, they're they very are. like into the espionage. I would say that The Living Daylights is like the first and sort of only other than I guess Casino Royale only Bond movie that has like a really coherent plot in the sense that like it is a, like a, like complex but it actually is like a plot. It actually is like mm. actual spy stuff. Mm-hmm. Not like, I got to go to this country because we're filming in this country and yeah. I, there's a Brazilian girl. So we got to go to Brazil to see this Brazilian girl yeah. and I'll it's find a clue pieces. and then go to the Aspens. Or, you know what I mean? Like it, this actually has like a real, it's not, I don't want to call it realistic. Cause it's definitely like over the top, you know, like yeah. shit, but it's, it's more real than these other movies. And it's yeah. one of the only deals with like real politics, not like, evil fake names and stuff it's like yeah, actually yeah. It's a real country this is, these are real stakes and uh i i really like it man like uh, i loved it the first time i saw it this time i watched it i liked it even more and a lot of that is just dalton you know what i mean he's mm-hmm. he's such an underrated bond and he's great in movies he looks kind of like a bird but it makes him like <laughs> handsome and like a more normal guy way like Look at the guy, like, you know, not, you can't just, like, go look at him, but, like, guys who, like, are, like, G-men, like, spooks, like, these guys are, like, kind of square-looking. They're not debonair. They're nerds who, like, love the law. So, like, Dalton, like, is kind of, like, the, like, physically maybe the most believable version of James Bond to me. Uh, yeah. And, like, he okay. looks, you know, he, you could see him. Like, he, Connery is so, so him, yeah. Uh, I don't know. He feels like an action an action hero in this movie. And it, it, like, there's like as much as there is a lot of espionage in it, when it starts cracking into the action shit, he's very much like Bruce Willis. You know, like, he, mm-hmm. they, they, like the movie opens with a man falling off of a cliff and they fucking show it. And yeah. I'm just like, bro, like I, I hadn't seen this one yet. I saw, uh, I, I saw the, the, the next one. Uh, what, what, what are License to Kill. License to Kill. I saw License to Kill. That's in my top five um, themes. But I, I saw that one before I saw this one. So I was just like, yo, like the, both of his movies were literally violent. And I always wonder why the fuck, you know, he only had two because he, they, these could have carried on. Because to me, it feels like, and, and I don't think I've ever seen anyone compare it to, to Daniel Craig's, but these feel like the same amount of like, not so much as hyper violent, but very much so much like visceral as far as like what you're seeing on screen as and Daniel Craig. Yeah, it, it feels like he's, he's all over the world in this one. I think so. I think part of it is that Dalton's entire approach to the character was more like he went and read all the books, and like the books are obviously very different than most of the movies because they were like books and not written by like a team of screenwriters. And Dalton wanted to bring that, I think, to the role of like this is a real guy. Imagine if you were a real guy and you spent several years of your life going on these missions, killing people, having mm-hmm. these like tenuous relationships and stuff. So he brings a lot of like weight, you know what I mean? Like there's a sense that he's like actually a guy. Obviously, you know, there's a difference between people who think of like the code name version of Bond, like each of these Bonds is a different person and the people who believe this is all one guy played by different actors. Dalton makes it feel like you, he is a guy who has lived through all this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He does like, real dramatic work. 
he, yeah, he's like really he, disenfranchised with it. And and I think you see you see that in License to Kill as well. I mean, License to Kill has the most fucked up storyline for him before like the Daniel Craig ones when we have a full arc of fucked up shit that happens to him. But I, I think that you, you start to feel like, yo, Bond's literally said, I'm going to kill all these motherfuckers. And he does it. And you want to see it. And I, I really hope that history, I don't know, I don't follow Bond Reddit or whatever the, the Bond fan community is. I don't know if these movies are looked at or, or revered upon a lot, a lot later on, you know, down the line than this. But I feel like these movies are the strongest to me in the Bond canon. Um, I, my one issue is that I feel like, you know, uh, Brad Whitaker and uh, the, the, the Pushkin and all those guys, I don't feel like they're the strongest antagonists. They feel a little faceless, nameless to me. Mm-hmm. I, well, I think that's almost a result of it being a more complex spy plot as opposed to like, you know, the more rudimentary stuff that Connery and Moore are in. Or even like Brosnan is kind of dealing with guys who are like a, like a more updated modern version of cartoon villains. These guys aren't like trying to build like a death ray or anything like that. It's literally just like, oh, I'm like a piece of shit who wants to like use global politics to like prosper. You know, it's yeah. like regular yeah. people villains, like regular people. Yeah, yeah. Which is why Dalton <laughs> is so good at being like a believable guy in it. Yeah. Also, he, this is like the only Bond movie where, where you see Bond deal with like his coworkers. Not not just yeah. him and Moneypenny, like other spies that clearly don't fucking like him and he doesn't like yeah. him either. And it's like cool. This guy who's like, I'm gonna fucking tell him like you didn't shoot the girl. And it's just like shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm glad they do away with him uh, you know, very quickly. Sliding door death to me was, I, I, I think about it to this day. It, it is quite the death in this movie. There's a literally, and how'd you feel, guys feel about the silent killer guy, the death to all spies guy? How'd you, guys, how'd you feel about him? Cool. I mean, I, I think he's not like, he's structurally positioned like a henchman character, like Oddjob or something, but he's not like his, you know, he, he is basically like someone from a Tom Clancy movie, basically. So it's like, yeah. oh, this is cool. So uh, let's rate the theme here. Uh, we have the theme for Living Daylights. Uh, it was done by AHA. Even had their little logo there. I thought that was cool. Um, I liked it. It wasn't the strongest. I do like the way that it was weaved into the actual score. It, it yeah, they do a pretty good job of that for, I think, all the movies that we watched. I think that yeah. when you heard it, like, switch from the Bond theme to the theme of the individual movie, mm-hmm. I thought a lot of the cues, I mean, it's better than somebody knows, obviously, but I thought it was it's pretty well done. Yeah, uh, so I'll... I'll, I'll Strong theme. I'll give it like a four. Yeah, not my I, like I think it's probably the worst of the ones we watched. Yeah, for but sure. That, that's okay. I'm a sucker for this music. I, I love this theme, but I also hate the one from GoldenEye. So like I'm weird in that way. Okay. Um, well, we're going to talk I, in a second. <laughs> no, but this is one of my favorites. I think mostly because to me, it's very tied to Dalton's introduction. Like his opening cold open scene is such a cool way to introduce the character and the song smashes right in and like, I just love it. So when we come back from break, we will be talking about the Brosnan era and the Craig era. We're going to have a real long conversation about the Craig era. So on Late Fees, we'll be right back with James Bond. Right, we are back on late fees. We're talking about James Bond, 
the James Bond movies in general, we, we've already talked about uh, Sean Connery, Roger Moore, and Timothy Dalton. We have two more Bonds to go, right? Two more. There's only been two more. Two yeah, more these are like so, our, our Bonds. Yeah, these, these are the ones that we remember, obviously, through video games or just through being an adult. But, you know, GoldenEye was really the first time that I had ever even known what the hell this guy, who this guy was. Mm-hmm. You know, the, uh, the movie uh, came after a very long and arduous uh, legal battle over the rights of, uh, of you know, the, the Bond franchise that, that saw Tom, uh, Timothy Dalton leave because he couldn't wait any day. He did not want to be playing this role <laughs> that fucking old. So he was just like, you know what, I'm good. Y'all, yeah, it was, y'all this is like the out. longest gap, I think, between the, because I mean, they were mm-hmm. cranking them out every two years. I think this is yep. like the longest, is this, yeah. are we now in the longest gap again? Well, I think it was six years no. between when Dalton. I think six years between uh, six between Bill Dalton to a kill and Goldeneye. And Goldeneye yeah, are we four between or, th- or three between Spectre? It can't and, be that long. I think Spectre is just not so memorable. Yeah. That- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we have Goldeneye, nineteen ninety-five, Pierce Brosnan's first Bond movie. Uh, this is the first time that we see a female M played by Judy Dench, who she would play and she played the role for uh, at least over a decade. Uh, and we also have uh, Money Penny recast. We have uh, Q, of course, return. But this movie pretty much, you know, continues the jet-setting ways of the Bond movies. We we see here he's in Russia. We we go to uh, Jamaica. We go to to or not not Jamaica, Puerto Rico, I think. We go to Monte Carlo. A lot of places they go here. Um, but we also see a lot more of the storyline kind of face uh, the Cold War, post Cold War era of uh, the the Britain and and Russia. So. A lot of the a lot of the runoff from there, as we see Bond face really one of the first catastrophes of of seeing like you know Dom said before the break a coworker. Now we see a coworker that he was close to pass away, and that that's one of the biggest cruxes of this storyline in GoldenEye. I'll say it right now, it's one of my favorite Bond movies. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's hard to separate um, just the, and this is the first time I think I'd ever watched the whole thing, honestly. Um, really? Yeah, because I mean, really, like the. Uh, the other, I mean, by the time I was like old enough to like be engaged in movies like this, like just had been the video game was more nominally famous than the movie was. And, uh, you know, like die another day. Like that's like, not that that's a great movie or song or anything, but like the, that was like when I was like, you know, 12 ish this, I was only like eight when Goldeneye came out. So I wasn't quite that's why it was more famous to me as an N64 game than a, a movie. Yeah, and I think whenever I saw the movie, it was way too long for me as a child to be actually connected to. And, I, and it's, it, the movie's always also been connected from the older ones because I always felt like, and maybe I'm wrong here and somebody can correct me, that the rights for this movie were never actually put into, or were never actually the same as the other movies. Like I never felt like even during some of the old Spike TV marathons they would actually play this one until like really recently before the actual the the network went belly up but Uh, all i know is that they've always had some weird rights thing with the movies because there's i mean they some other motherfuckers made a casino royale after dr no came out and they were like it's like kind of i've never seen it but it's like a bond it's not good it's a it's like a a really unfunny parody of james bond movies where like 10 people woody allen's in it it's really terrible okay uh but there's there's also I mean if you talk about the right stuff there's there's at some point early in the book's like uh, existence some other dude bought the rights to just Thunderball I think just that book so there were some fights when Thunderball came out and then that guy tried to make his own Bond movie for years and ended up making Never Say Never Again which is like loosely a remake of Thunderball where Sean Connery is just old as shit 
and it's like a non-canon Bond movie, and it's fucking the it's weirdest terrible. thing you've ever seen. It's it's it's. it's I don't want to say it's terrible. Kim Basinger's in it. Yeah, it's directed by the guy who directed Empire Strikes Back, and it's just a weird movie. Nothing about it feels like Bond. Uh, so uh, this, uh, yeah, I feel like Goldeneye did not get replayed with those other movies. Not until like much later. And, and when they when they did, I feel like they always just replayed Dine Another Day and the yes. one with Denise Richards. Yep, which that, is that, the two fucking yeah. worst ones. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that that that's usually what we've seen. And again, like, and I meant to get into this uh, in in the last movie we did. This movie also very very long. Uh, it is a it is a long movie. There, I, I think, think they all hover around two hours and ten minutes. And if they all hovered around an hour fifty, it would be a perfect. lot better. It'd be, it'd be we'd be humming. The Daniel Craig ones really test your patience and your willingness to continue on with it's, life. It's because, because of when they. Happen. I mean, all these prestige blockbusters are too long. Mm-hmm. Like whether you well, the reason the reason why I think I mean is newer movies are always trying to compete with prestige television now, right? And like they want to be able to do these big like arcs the way a TV show can over the course of like twenty hours, and they also have to appease people by having big you know blockbuster set pieces. And I feel like former blockbuster movies, like former action movies, used to make action sequences and set pieces that like move the plot forward. And nowadays it's like, you write a story that's maybe an hour and 40 minutes long, and then you have to put it to five set pieces. Each one's like 15 minutes long and they don't actually get you anywhere. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like <laughs> we can talk about this again when we get to Casino Royale, but you could chop out the first like half hour of that movie and the story still works because you're just not, it's 30 minutes that's not like, they're like empty calorie minutes. It's just stuff mm-hmm. happening yeah. before you get to the real plot. And like each one of these movies has at least like a half hour you could chop out. And it wouldn't matter. That's and why would, you could fall asleep during it and you don't care. Yeah. And I would say with, with Goldeneye, I, I actually, and that's a great, you know, that, that's a great breakdown of how these movies work. But with Goldeneye, I do feel like nearly everything in this movie has its own place. I, I think that if you were to cut out the first half of it, you would miss, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of backstory with, you know, Trevelyan. But you'd also miss the introduction of Xenia and, and everyone there. Like, there is actually characters that they introduce that matter within the rest of the story, within GoldenEye, within that first hour. I think the middle part is where it's kind of like, after he gets caught in, in, in the helicopter with her and they have to escape, I would even say you could still really catch the middle part of that movie because then it becomes like a chase, like, like, like a fugitive type. Uh, movie as well with, with, with Bond and, and you know, the, the Bond girl like running around, you know, different locales trying to get away uh, up until the twist. Like the twist to me is like, if you if you skip out in that first half, you miss the twist in, in GoldenEye. And that's why I think like this one's essential because of all the movies that they've done, this one has a, a beginning, middle and end that, that really feels like it, it matters and is substantive. I would say I think the commonality between all the movies we watched for this episode is that other than Goldfinger, they're all a Bond's first movie. Yeah. And every Bond's first movie is kind of like like Good. Doctor Who. When they recast the Doctor, you have to have a whole episode showing the new guy. Yeah. yeah. So, like, in these movies, it feels justified that you have those extra admit, like uh, padded time because it's like, I'm getting to know this new character all over again. So it's, like, forgivable. It is funny, Dom, that you bring up Doctor Who, that both these English things have this, like, long-running character who is essentially a reincarnate, like... James Bond basically is a time lord. Basically, yeah. And it's like, but it's, it's, it's cool because, I mean, you know, like, uh, you, you can't really keep a franchise going around one character forever without recasting them. Yeah. Without it being shitty. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and I think this movie does a really good job of, like, you know, The Living Daylights is really dope and it's like one of my faves, but they don't have to, like, 
do a lot to like they already had a bond in the 80s you know what i mean they still did stuff like that with roger moore so dalton is like a, a a reframing but it's not a drastic reframing whereas this is like this is the first like real post-cold war movie this is the first real 90s bond movie they have a lot to do and like they do it without being too meta like they get a little meta when like emma's telling him he's like a he's a dinosaur and stuff like that but like yeah. <clears throat> but it works i mean like they, they reframe everything in a, in a believable way they don't take away what makes the bond movies work you know it's like a really really smart reboot and the fact that like the dude that directed this did this and then 10 years later did it again even better is yes. like nuts like yeah the fact okay, that so- like martin <laughs> campbell doesn't walk around with like awards dangling off his neck is crazy to me like it's, it's such a flex so check this out so i think that the starting from here the reason you get from not the reason a major reason you get from golden eye to uh, no time to die uh, relatively very successfully is because of the introduction of Judy Dench. Yeah. yeah. Like she, the, I think they, I think the transition from uh, Brosnan to Craig is made easier by significantly easier by her presence. Yeah. And her being there in the same role with the same character, largely, um, at least for Craig's first, <coughs> at least for Craig's yeah, first, yeah. Movie, he's the same character, but you know, you largely get there by having something. And, and again, you can just, you can say the same for Q cause he's still around as well, mm-hmm. but having those and Q doesn't get replaced until, you know, RIP his untimely, you know, passing, you know, in the middle <coughs> of, of all of that. But I, I think that there's a familiarity there, but I also think that, and am I wrong here for thinking Brosnan is a good bond. They got stuck with really shitty movies during his tenure. I think that I mean this the at least die another day than, is really bad. I mean, other yeah. than it, other than it being too late for him to be doing the role, like like Dom said, like other than it being like a little bit too late for him to be doing this. Obviously, there were. It's also he just got bad movies. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Goldeneye is, is is like fantastic, and then uh, the next one, Tomorrow Never Dies, is like I think underrated. It's not great, but it's like pretty good. And the world is not enough is like dog shit, and then Die Another Day is like absurd. Like it just does not. Everything about it just feels weird and wrong. And Terrible these theme. movies are all written by the same two guys, like the same two fucking schmucks who continue writing all the Craig movies, but they always have like rewriters. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's uh, like Purvis and Wade or whatever. Like they read these movies and you can tell that the, the Brosnan movies have ideas that they revisit in the Craig movies. Like the world's not enough. Part of that is very much like Skyfall, but just dumber. You know, it's, <laughs> it's because later they had another writer come in and go, oh, you guys suck at this shit. Let me fix this. Uh, and the Brosnan movies, there was no one to do that. They were just like, oh, you guys worked on the last one and that made money, so do this one again. Oh, you suck? Well, we're doing it anyway. Like, they didn't, they, didn't, they should have, all the other movies from, like, before the Brosnan era have, like, a bunch of writers and people heavily involved. And I feel like these two guys just got to fuck up repeatedly uh, and no one stopped them. <laughs> yeah, that, that is, that, and again, like, it, it is... It really, it really says a lot that like people only really remember or talk about GoldenEye. Like they never talk about like any of the other movies. They might bring up the Halle Berry recreating the the what, what was the what was the scene? Isn't the Doctor No scene? Yeah, like she, they, they talk about that, but they don't talk about the movie. I, and I think it's because people do finally remember, you know, Pierce Brosnan in this role, and he did a, he did a great job in this movie. I thought a lot, a lot of the even the fight scenes, like the stuff with Famica uh, Jansen's character is really like sexual but also really violent and 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 really cool and i thought her character in general was was, was really dope as well of, of having again they're they're pushing you into the 90s with these different portrayals of these characters they're not just like you know uh 
and, and in a lot of ways they still are cookie cutter, but the way that they introduce them in and create these stories around them are, are a lot better. I want to I real quick point out something that bothers me in every single fucking Bond movie up until Casino Royale, which is that they almost all involve some kind of card game, but they're all <laughs> yeah. fucking weird ancient card games that don't make any goddamn sense. And there'll be an entire <laughs> sequence of people playing back when, when Casino Royale came out, I tried to read the book for the first time. And in the book, it's not poker. It's, it's fucking Baccarat or whatever. And there's like a whole chapter explaining the rules. And I was like, there's no way I'm reading this fucking book. And Goldeneye has a scene where they're, they're doing whatever the fuck that is. And I, I remember thinking this is the only way it is less good than Casino Royale is the fact that they could not just get them to play a normal goddamn card game. Yeah, that- don't, don't they play Texas Hold'em in Casino Royale? Yeah, yeah because the, the trendiest the script- game at the time, and it fucking rocked. <laughs> someone, someone had to go. You know, no one's gonna watch this movie if the entire plot hinges on a card game that doesn't make sense. Yeah, like we're trying to, to sell this to bros who who are watching uh, Phil Ivey Barstool and Sports Raver. Has to like this fucking movie. Yeah, yeah. like we're, go, they're watching go, guys. Go. They're watching the World Series of Poker. We're gonna put Texas Hold'em in this. Mads Mickelson and Daniel Craig. They're playing Texas Hold'em. Go, go fucking play Jim Rummy, bro. Like, you know. <laughs> Yeah, okay, yeah, when, when uh, he plays Jin against Goldfinger, right? Or yeah, Goldfinger's yeah. Goldfinger's playing Jin, yeah. Guy, and yeah. then the guy's like, I guess that's Jin, and I'm like, oh, that's this old-ass fucking game, okay. Um, I really enjoy this movie a lot. A lot of the, the set pieces are great. The tank, right, uh, the, you know, Bond running through the streets in a tank, uh, definitely one of the most uh, irresponsible things he's ever done. Uh, possibly thousands dead. I'll just say that thousands <laughs> dead from from what he did on that night. But I think more exhilarating than that is the satellite dish set piece. Holy fuck! If you don't get vertical from that to this day, that is one of the scariest looking things I've ever seen. I know they probably saw it shot it on a green screen, but it still looks t- like awful. When uh, spoiler alert, if you have never seen this, uh, uh, Trevelyan ends up being Janice. Uh, Sean Bean dies terribly twice in this movie yes um but it's one of the first it started the trend it didn't what what start the twin what's before Uh, this uh i think what movie started the trend of him dying all the time uh it was what was it he dies in lord of the rings he died on game of thrones this was Uh, 95 what did he have before this he dies in uh in uh patriot games it was patriot games oh yeah. yeah yeah Yeah. A similar, so, a similar vibe. Just it just barely missed the, He just yeah. barely missed Goldeneye by a couple of years. The Patriot Games was the first one where he dies gruesomely uh, in every single movie. This this one being no different. Uh, yeah. Spoiler this, alert for National Treasure too. Yeah, he <laughs> he falls off of a satellite dish in encampment to the ground. Is still alive. Then has the whole shit fall on him. <laughs> I don't think we've seen. Well, no, no, no. Uh, I would say that probably uh, Blowfield got fucked up in these movies. He Blowfield. No, yeah, you're right. Blowfield. Blowfield got fucked up in these movies really bad. I think maybe not as worse as this, but he he got fucked up pretty badly. In I like when the villain knows that they're gonna die. I don't like that moment of recognition. Yeah. yeah. Like once when, when like they walk like I mean you know you got to do what you got to do. But when like the so you shoot somebody in the head or something like what well, they you didn't get he come on make. Make them know that you're gonna do it, and then it, and then it happened. You know, uh, let's rate the theme here, Dom. You've already said it already. You spoil it for me. You said you don't like. I wasn't. I wasn't crazy about it. I don't know. I, I guess okay. To me, it's the theme is not just the theme. It's also like the intro sequence. Yeah. And 
I feel like the only way that GoldenEye doesn't feel cool to this day is how it's got that like 90s fucking hacker imagery and it just feels so yeah. weird. Yes. The Bond, you know what I mean? Like it's not as bad as like the Ice Hotel shit with Madonna or whatever, but like it's just every time I watch it, I'm like, this is just fucking weird. It doesn't feel right. Which is like Tomorrow Never Dies has very similar vibe, but it's like a Sheryl Crow song. I like that so much more. And I even fucking like Sheryl Crow, so I might just be a weird person. Well, how'd you feel about Die Another Day? <laughs> it's it's <laughs> I, so bad. It's so annoying, man. It's so annoying. It's not a good theme, but I I, I definitely listened to it a lot more than a uh, human being should acknowledge. Oh, I think I think I did too. It was it was kind of cool. I don't know, but now I'm thinking about it. And I'm it's like, just oh, funny. It's just funny song. that it happened to me. Like, well, not just that, but in Die Another Day, that sequence is like. Bond gets like caught by like the China or something, and he's yeah. like he's like a prisoner of war. He's a prisoner yeah. for like two years, yeah. and then like Madonna is just playing this like like really bad like proto tech. It's it's so weird. I don't yeah. know how the fuck that happened. It's it's a bad theme. I I enjoy this theme. I give it like a, a three. It's not the best. I, I won't say it's complete ass, but um, Tina Turner is definitely weird with the with the uh, the booming bass in the background she sounds like eartha kit a little bit in the song i was just like i didn't remember her sounding like this i like the vocals i don't like the song itself like it's like yeah. i understood what they got her to sing it because she has kind of like a brassy voice but yeah. the music itself is just like i'm just youtube is really hit or miss for me man they should have made like a song like from batman forever That's can the only you imagine though like, there's there is a chance and youtube's hit or miss for me too although when they're hit they're fucking amazing uh but can you imagine if this had actually just been sung by them? <laughs> it would have been. Cra- it would have actually. I think it would have went crazy. I think. I think that. that I could uh, see them pulling off a good Bond theme. Yeah. In, in theory. Like it doesn't really make sense that the Beatles pulled. I mean, Beatles are obviously a better band than you two, but uh, it doesn't necessarily make sense that they are Wings. I guess I, I have to stop equating Paul McCartney with the Beatles. But even that, like, it's kind of weird that they worked so well. But it's amazing. Uh, so the, I don't know, but you two might have had it in them. So let let us go to 2006 with our final Bond movie of this marathon in this franchise episode, Casino Royale. Daniel Craig's first Bond movie directed, I mean, ironically, we said it already, by Martin Campbell. Completely different movie. Still fire. It's did it again. so cool. <laughs> he did it again. Did it again. Uh, th- this one is, uh, I would say it's, it's, a, it's a pretty pretty hard reboot of, of Bond uh, with a less experienced, as they say, uh, less experienced, uh, very new, very green Bond who, who just gets the double O designation. Uh, you know, he just earns his license to kill in the beginning. And from a very, like, that intro with the fight scene, you know, the showing Bond. Death. Oh, my it, God. It, it's so good. You know, he, he's, he's not quite there yet, but it shows that it's just brutal. And, you know, I think a lot of movies from that point, I mean, even Mission Impossible with their bathroom scene, which was another good scene. Don't let's be yeah. let's be clear. But they aped a lot of that from Casino Royale, uh, and this is this is the movie about poker. And a lot of this movie is literally about learning the game of poker, uh, as Bond tries to infiltrate a, a arms dealer uh, who uh, is is connected to some pretty shady dealings in this movie. I mean. What 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 more can we say about? You got to play played by the goat, Mads. Yeah. There there's so good. Not much more that you could say about this movie that we you know people have not already said. It's it is definitely one of the best Bond movies, if not the best Bond movie of of, of all time. You know, you take this character that's been around for over two decades. You know, he's been distilled into this ladies' man, and then you just you deconstruct that and strip that down into someone who is a little bit more human, 
and a lot more, you know, I wouldn't say disenfranchised yet. He does become that throughout the, the franchise that he has. And of yeah, course, Bond, Bond and Daniel Craig himself. Yeah, like one of the only, <laughs> one of the only Bond, for, you know, series or, or arcs in, in the franchise where it's like it, it, it's, it's an overflowing story. Mm-hmm. Of, of Bond's character throughout the throughout the last couple of years, but but again, like very very strong movie here. I th- I think if it's not perfect, then I don't really know what movie isn't perfect. You know? Yeah. It's, you know I the think, thing about go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I think the thing about Casino Royale that's really interesting is that like like many prequel origin stories, it's supposed to end with Bond being Bond, right? Like it's like the J.J. Abrams Star Trek ends with them being like the the cast yeah. members we're supposed to know, right? But then when they do the sequels, that's not true. They keep doing it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, like, yeah. at the end of this movie, it's supposed to be, this is, I mean, the story is actually beat for beat what happens in the first James Bond book. It's supposed to explain why he is the way he is and why he's so cold and doesn't trust anybody. And that closing moment of this movie is supposed to be, you know, him saying that on Bond, James Bond is like, okay, now he's going to be the Bond we know. But he never does that. He just continues yeah. being his own interpretation and it starts off, I think, really good here. It's really cool to see him be more human and more like a regular person. But then it, it kind of expects you to go from an origin where Bond becomes 007 to two movies later, them going, he's too old, he's washed up, he needs to retire. And you're like, we just met this fucking guy. Yeah. Like, he has had one and a half movies. Because Quantum of Solace is like half a movie compared to these other movies. And I feel like that was always such a mistake. It kind of feels like the Dark Knight trilogy where it's like, Batman begins. Batman has been retired for eight years. So like, what the fuck? We just this is he just showed up. What yeah. the fuck? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, and again, like our thoughts on where these movies go, notwithstanding, I, I think there's like they're very wild, wildly varying depictions or, or opinions on, you know, what happens to these movies after Casino Royale. I think this is really like a great start to this character. As I said before, he's, he is a lot less experienced. Uh, there, there's very little like gadgetry in this movie, like in a lot mm-hmm. of the gadgets that are in there, they're very practical. It felt like they're realistic, and there's a sense too that like they sort of take things that Bond does in the other movies that are just this is what happened in every Bond movie and make it a part of his character. So it's like in every movie, he just randomly kills people and doesn't do a very good job of like following <laughs> up on clues. And in this movie, they're like, oh, that's bad, you shouldn't do that, you're, you're yeah. a jerk, you know, he has to learn to not do that, yeah. I, I think that really more than anything, the relationship he has with the Bond girl is a lot different. There's, there's a different Bond girl in this one, but, uh, but again, played completely different as well. Uh, we have Verger who, uh, she is quite the phantom throughout this whole series. She's like Bond's first love in a Vesper, lot of ways. You mean Vesper? Oh, Vesper, I'm sorry, not Verger. I'm Verger, thinking that's, Hannibal. That's, yeah, Holy that's shit, we watched- Different series. We, I watched too much Hannibal this year. You, were, you, were, you thought you were thinking about Mads. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, you know what? that fits that that actually <laughs> fits. sorry about that but uh vesper is is you know again kind of plays on the the vulnerability of craig's bond here and him really being on his first big big uh assignment and falling for this person i thought that the relationship here felt really real and and watching it again i think is one of the strongest and especially in you know, again, look at what we've what we've been through, what we've, what we've had. Yeah, like look at what we've had and where we're at right now with how he treats this relationship. I thought it, it actually felt a lot a lot real. And these are, I felt like this is a relationship out of not just love or anything, but it's a relationship out of necessity. The fact that these are two people that essentially have to lie all the time. This is a sad movie. It is. Yeah. It is. Like, what, it what is. happens? You're like, what? Like, it's almost a shame that like these movies kind of like 
because it's, it's, I think the Krang franchise is especially weird because it, like, this movie came out a year after Batman Begins came out. And I, I think they have a lot of similarities. And, but Batman, like, what Batman Begins did ended eight years ago. And what Craig, I mean, when, in and of itself, obviously it's still going. Uh, but what Craig did is still happening. And it's just weird that, like, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's just, it's strange to see, like, where the character kind of goes wrong, like, after such yeah. a long period of time. Yeah. But it's, I mean, none of the, I think the one thing that Vesper, I think the Vesper thing ultimately got them a lot of ground in that regard. Uh, in making him like oh well he he is an asshole but it, like he he does seem like a tragic character i think because of the vesper relationship but i think when you start digging into it, and again like there's no inclination that you're going to be getting this and wow somebody's driving their car it's stupid it sounds like you're there's in no, my neighborhood there's no inclination that we're going to get this in casino royale but i do think that delving deeper into bond's character is not something that necessarily any of us asked for and that is something where it's like okay we, we want to talk about his feelings and stuff like that and i think that's fine but I don't know if we really care about, you know, what he used to do as a, as a baby and yeah. you know, all that other stuff. In, yeah, in that, that increases throughout his tenure as Bond. We, yeah, which will, I mean, from what we know, will end with no time to die. Yeah, yeah. But, but he literally says at the end of every movie, like, I'm, I hate these movies and I'm never doing another one. And then, and then he does another they're one. They're like, actually, we gave him a trillion dollars and he's doing it. So Yeah, so I'm, cause, and I think that that's just for the fact that they are creatively bankrupt as far as who to get another, you know, who, who's going to do another Bond movie or who will be the next yeah. one. When they, could just, they just pick Guy up. Ritchie, John Boyega, it's happening. Pick a black guy, you know, pick a black guy. Come on, like, we... we, we I we, think... If I'm not mistaken, I think I read, and again, every every like backstage news story about the Bond movies is like 90% probably made up by someone in England. But I did think, I think I read that they are trying to get, uh, the fuck is his name? The dude that did the new ones, the true detective guy, Kerry Joji Fukunaga. They're trying yeah. to get Fukunaga to come back because I guess they like working with him. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they would let him start fresh with somebody. And I thought that was kind of weird. Like, I feel like you should just be a whole new director. But then I thought about the fact that like, you know, a lot of the other turns uh, before this were done by someone who did the previous movies. You know what I mean? So, like, I think it could be cool if he comes back, assuming No Time to Die is actually, like, good. We don't, we don't know. Yeah, yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, I, I'm still a little worried about just, like, the overall, like, Bond story. Like, this, I kind of I kind of lost my way earlier, but, like, the, like you, you have Bond eventually kind of almost playing catch-up to the Avengers in a certain way, where, like, oh, because they have, like, you know, quality of the movies aside, they have surprisingly enough achieved some overarching story that people can actually tell you what's happening. And Bond, like, gets into doing that more and more as the Craig uh, era goes on. And I think it is to the detriment of the movies being just, like, enjoyable. Like, yeah, because, like, I mean, like, I feel like, you know, Quantum of Solace is, like, essentially a feature-length postscript to, to Casino, right? It's yeah. Just, Literally him working through, there's a moment in the casino, I guess, where he's, uh, you know, he's essentially mentally decided Vesper was a, con a conniving whore and she's dead to him and she's yeah. dead literally, so it's fine. And then uh, M is like, no, like, it's more complicated than that. You know what I mean? Like, she wasn't just an evil person. She did try to save you. 
and it forces him to have to like live with this binary of I can't trust people, but also like this person wasn't merely merely a villain. Mm-hmm. And then they take a whole fucking movie to extrapolate that one moment right. for no fucking reason. And I mean, I know why, because like the writer's strike and all that shit. And, and, you know, I was defending Quantum in the group chat before, but like, then you get Skyfall, which is just like a Dark Knight ripoff. And then you get Spectre, which is like, we're going to try to make like, like the fact that they tried to do that, it's just Star Trek in the darkness for James Bond. It's just the yeah. same shit, it's the same stupid fucking shit. And I don't know what they're even doing with this one. I don't know what, what, the, what the point is. I don't know if it's continuing the weird Spectre stuff or like... Well, Blowfield's in it. Unfortunately. Yeah, uh, I, 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 for one, didn't like uh, Christoph's uh, portrayal of Blowfield. I thought that, to me, he's always going to be like one thing. And he was way too like dour and like weird and trying to be too much like a Batman villain in a lot of ways. He's going to need to do like some comedic shit to make me forget or and to make producers forget about Hans Landa because like it feels like stunt casting because you know, they're casting him because of him having a breakout role in like what compared to this is like an incredibly artistic movie. It's just really weird. Well, Well, I mean like, I was shudder to say that I don't feel like they had an ending to this Bond thing at all. I, I think that even when this, if this is the last Craig movie, they're going to have to reboot this again. And I think that's going to be a major issue because you can't take these story threads back. I mean, there's going to have to be an M again. There's going to have to be, you know, all of these characters again, they're going to have to completely wipe the deck because these characters are so tied to this 10 year plus franchise that is really kind of become overbloated and you know i know we're, we're, we're talking more about like that than the actual movie there's actually not much that we can we can like talk about with uh with regard of casino royale because it's so great but you know it, it's it's like you know a lot has gone wrong with with this franchise yeah. after this movie right, well let's bring it back to i mean we got to talk about um parkour which essentially people know what it is because of a the it's office but b this movie like the reason it was in the office i think was probably because of this movie yeah. uh and it was like as goofy as parkour is, it was fucking awesome when they did this. Yeah, it, it, I mean, the, the action scenes without, without fail are some of the best on screen ever, yeah. like some of the best Bond shit ever. And I think the fact that they got Daniel Craig, he was a lot more athletic and, and able to do his own yeah. stuff than everyone else. Yeah, yeah like he, he's a beast in this movie. And, you know, he was, he was game to do a lot of that stuff. And I, I think, you know, they took a lot of, they took a lot of inspiration from Born Identity, I think, from, yeah. from what I see. Like there, there's a especially the hand-to-hand fighting stuff. They, there's a lot of, uh, there's a there's a lot of like you know connective tissue to those two movies. But I think here, like it, it's really strong. I, I like I I sort of even prefer it to the the Born series because like I feel like the hand-to-hand choreography is similar, and I think probably even had some of the same like coordinators and stuff. But like Campbell's actual like coverage of the action is like legible. Like you know what's happening, and I, I've yeah. always fucking hated the Bourne movies for devolving into like it doesn't matter if you know what's happening it's more realistic this way and it's like this isn't a documentary it's a fucking spy movie you know what I yeah, mean like yeah I like the artifice of the Bond movies I don't need like a movie about an amnesiac super spy to be like more realistic like I'm yeah, fucking yeah. yeah yeah exactly so um let's let's talk about the theme because I mean that's something I really wanted to talk to uh all of you guys about the the you know my name by the late Chris Cornell I'm willing okay. to say that this is this is the number one Bond theme. I love this fucking song. I scream this theme whenever <laughs> I fucking see the movie. It's great. Yeah, I think it's I a remember, really good one. I mean, R.I.P. Cornell. Uh, 
when I reference you two again, uh, the best moment at this U2 concert I was at a couple of years ago was uh, it was like a week after Cornell passed and uh, the DJ just like the pre-show DJ just played uh, Black Hole Sun and like a million boomers like took out lighters and were like loving Black Hole Sun. And I was like, wow, this is fucking sad, man. I wish yeah. you were alive. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a great one. I don't think I don't think it's better than Live and Let Die, but it's great. Live and Let Die is so good, though. But, I, I mean, don't think of it as being a really good Bond theme, but I love it. Like when I first saw the movie, I thought it was weird because like it was my first time really watching like a Bond movie, like for real in theaters and stuff. And when it came in, I was like, this is a weird choice. Cause I didn't know that Cornell did it. I just immediately heard it. I was like, this guy from Soundgarden? What the fuck? Uh, <laughs> but, but years later, every time I rewatch the movie, every time I'm like, I always spend at least three weeks after rewatching it, just listen to this like 10, 20 times a day. This is yeah. I, I have been kind of caught in a bond theme spiral uh since like last night and we were kind of talking about it and i was like yo i gotta listen to all of these and man these are these are like very more so than any like regular recorded music like they put a lot of thought into these bond songs and they they, they treat them very seriously so like you know for for this to be like the, the top i i think that again like it follows the theme i thought that they weave the actual song into the movie really well but also the lyrics like hit really hard and i think the only other one that i've listened to like obviously the old ones are very tongue-in-cheek and very on the nose but like the only other one from like this era that i thought was like that was the was skyfall was like very like a comp i think she actually got a grammy nom for that one uh i thought she won it i thought she won the grammy any i think she i think she did <laughs> but that's adele she could do no wrong bro like she she just 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 you know, a, i I also love the curio of like Bond movies that don't happen. You know what I mean? Like, right. Uh, like the like Radiohead recorded one for Spectre that they didn't use. And like, uh, Londo Ray has a song on one of her albums that was supposed to be a Bond. Like, she was like submitted to, I think, to be a Bond theme. And they didn't choose it. Um, and it kind of has like, I mean, it probably wouldn't have worked. It's a little bit too slight, I think. She's so kind of bland. But like, yeah. you know, I like I like the idea of like getting hey, a Bond. Hey, theme. hey, hey. I don't, hey, I, I, I like Lana in, in some in some scenarios. It's not, not a lot of them. And I, I think that, I don't know, I, I like that it's like this important tradition. You know what I mean? No one gives a fuck about what the theme to like the new Fast movie is or something, but like. <laughs> hey, I like hey, the they, they got one. They got the one. Uh, when you when you hear uh, the Wiz Khalifa song. That's oh, song. I thought you were talking about the one from Tokyo Drift. Oh, crazy. no. I just, that, I just, you know, <laughs> it's not really a theme song. It's more of like a weird like death ballad that Wiz Khalifa <laughs> somehow sings. Wow. But, uh, yeah, wow. But hey, I, wow. no, I, it's, I, I think it's a genuinely, at this point, I think it's, that's a great song. Whether it's even a good song or not, it doesn't matter. But I mean, yeah, it's the importance of having these types of themes that I wish, like, really, honestly, more movies did. Stunt cast a vocalist or a band to do the theme for your movie. It's something that's been happening, you know, from the beginning of Bond all the way now. Like, why not continue doing that? You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you guys feel about the Billie Eilish one, the new, the new one? It's very slow. It's yeah, old, it's yeah, okay. Low key. There's no. I, I wonder what the theme. Well, didn't they reveal the the actual intro credits? I thought they revealed the intro credits already for No Time to Die. I think they did. Oh, maybe they did. I thought no, it was just like a video. Watch when when yeah. they, I think when they pushed it back, they 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 just said, "Here, here you go. Like you can see it now." But um, <laughs> we don't give a shit. Put it on Apple. <laughs> there's no drum. There's like no drums in it. There's like no like bomb- bombast to it. So it feels like this is going to be a very like. It's very movie. indicative of like her entire style and like her brother's like weird production style. And like I like yeah. it sometimes, but I, I remember thinking like all the fucking people who could do a cool Bond song. I think they had the weekend do one or something. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, that would have that would have so been so cool. He would have thrown himself time. at it. He thinks he is James Bond. Blind, blind, blinding lights, which you know, going back to what happened today, him getting him getting snubbed from the Grammys is is you know uh, a huge travesty. But that could have been a Bond theme. Like it, it really feels like it, it could have fit in one of these movies. Like I, I think the weekend is actually Dom a great fucking choice. Yeah, that's a yeah. Good one. He'd be. I also think about, you know, like Tenet, you know, is like obviously very Bond influenced. Nolan's a very big Bond person. And they, getting Travis Scott to do like the, uh, I, I hesitate to call it a theme, but the closing credit yeah. song from Tenet. The fi- you know hey, I mean? you don't have like, to call it a theme. You can call it what it is. The final piece of the puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there's another movie recently that did uh, a similar thing where they had like an artist do the, oh, you know what I was thinking about when, you, when we were first talking about it? The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo remake that Fincher did, where they, they've got Karen O and Trent yeah. Reznor covering yeah. um, Immigrant Song. Immigrant, immigrant Song. song. That opening sequence is so fucking cool. Yeah. And like every time I see it, it makes me think, like, man, none of the other non Cornell Bond themes in recent memory are this like tight. Like that, that makes you want to watch a movie that Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is not. It is not the movie that connects to that theme opening. But yeah, I wish. Uh, so this was fun. I really enjoy watching Bond. This is like a this is a Thanksgiving tradition uh, over in my house to, to to watch James Bond movies over Thanksgiving and in the holiday season. So um, thank you all for listening to the James Bond episode of Late Fees. I don't know what we're gonna do when we come back. This is usually our prestige uh, movie season. There are no prestige movies this year, really. <laughs> Hillbilly uh, so, Eulogy, man. That's uh, hell. I'm not watching that shit. For your consideration. Really, one thing that Eric, who never showed up, by the way, one thing that Eric uh, did say was he wanted to do a straight to DVD Legends series where we have a Bruce oh, yeah. Willis, yeah. all of that. I'm into that idea. Let's yeah, do that. Yeah, we kind of have to. I think we'll have to workshop exactly what it is, but it's a good. It's a good idea. So when we uh, when we get back, we will be doing something. I don't know. We're gonna announce it. We're gonna announce our, our next episode very soon. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, make sure you subscribe to us at RNC Watch. Uh, we have a really cool uh, episode with me and Mark doing Overly Medicated with the latest episode. I guess it's like a preview episode of Euphoria coming uh, in early December. So be on the lookout for that. I'm very excited about that. I'm very excited about the return of something normal uh, in, in the next couple of weeks that we can talk about. But until then, thank you all for listening to Late Feeds. Please be safe this holiday season and this holiday weekend, really. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be back and hopefully Eric will, will be back too. He's, he's a bastard. We're going we're gonna to cuss him out right now as soon as we're done recording. So uh, when you hear this, cuss him out. He's not on Twitter. He's on Twitter. We should give away his burner account because he has a burner account. account. I'm going to give away his burner it. account. We can't do uh, it. But thank you guys for listening. Uh, for Dom and Pat, I am Justin. Peace out. Buy me PlayStation 5. <laughs> you were young and your heart was no This ever-changing world in which we live in Makes you give in and cry Say live and let
never change.